to say it's ninety six six. It's not ninety six six. It is the podcast. <laughs> but I sit right here every morning and I like record my show, so I was about to go like, all right, guys, it's ninety six x, and today we're talking about blah 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 blah. Guess what? It's another Chicken trivia butt. episode. No, we're not doing trivia, Jake. Oh, Jake was like, oh, the, no. the inspiration. I didn't uh, study. scared him. Yeah, we've been basically on a little series I'm here. I'm done thinking. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we did the trivia episode a couple of weeks ago. You guys have heard us talk about it for the last couple of weeks, and we have been covering some stories that were mentioned in that trivia episode. Things that uh, we did not know or. I knew, and these other nerds didn't know. Just kidding. So we're going to talk about some of these stories. And one of the things that we mentioned in the trivia episode, it was like, which band popularized the sound of guitar distortion and mm. rock and roll or whatever? And the answer was the Kinks. Um, and I thought that was a pretty interesting story, how they created the distortion sound, because what you can buy in a little programmed pedal nowadays was not how it used to be. Back in Jake's day, uh, when you had to walk uphill both ways to in the school snow? in the snow mm. without <laughs> boots on and whatever the fuck. Just, so, both ways, just yeah. socks. That's yeah. the saying. And no jacket. Yeah, I was going to say the little bit that I do know about of classic amplifiers and sound effects from back in the 50s and 60s, 60s is that a lot of it was mechanical in nature. So if if I'm remembering correctly, things like reverb and echo uh, I do believe there is basically a spring wired in somewhere into the amplifier oh that makes sense and I don't like again I, I don't know the specifics of it but it was something like that that created those types of sound effects and of course distortion generally was cranking the amplifier all the way up past the Basically, the ability of the speaker... Turning it up to 11. Yeah, you turn it up to 11, then then the speaker just can't output the sound, but it created its own unique sound. Mm -hmm. And then people, you know, at the time, they would say, your technique is off, you're fucking it up. And they were like, that's the technique I yeah. wanted. Yeah, it created a whole yeah. sound. So what you can now press a button and get on your instrument, people were physically making these things happen so yeah yeah now, go, now you can have your guitar plugged in your computer and your computer can have 50 different pedals you yeah. know pre-programmed ready to go but, but they the don't day, sound the be same creative you had to use duct tape and scissors and shit basically yeah so we're gonna go into some of the things about distortion i've got a couple of articles here um but i think that first I don't know that you introduced us, but I also don't know because we just recorded three other episodes. Right. And of course, I did not introduce us this episode, so I <laughs> may do that now. I may not. The world we may, may never know. But we will in five seconds when you introduce us. Right. Because you guys are listening to Death by Music Podcast. Of course, I am Jake, and I'm here with Cassie and Alex for another mini episode based on our uh, trivia nights yeah. from several weeks ago. Which, who knows? Maybe we'll do more trivia. I'm gonna start studying <laughs> after this episode so this first article that i've got uh, is kind of a history of distortion i'll read a part of this is posted by sam ash music at samash.com so it says i think all those birds are gonna be on i was gonna podcast. say do you think Tell you those can birds hear the birds? To shut the fuck up <clears throat> Whatever genre you're into, rock, metal, metalcore, blues, jazz, or even pop music, distorted guitars 
are a bigger or lesser part of it. There's hardly any artist in modern music today that has completely avoided distortion. Even mainstream pop stars have guitarists in their backing bands with the live arrangements of their songs, often featuring distorted or overdriven guitars. But how did this game-changing effect come to be? It was actually through a series of accidents that eventually led to the complete revolution of modern music. So let's find out more about the history of distortion pedals. Although we take it for granted these days, especially because we can find some pretty cheap but great distortion pedals, achieving the effect was not exactly the easiest task back in the day. But first, let's explain what distortion actually is. Distortion and overdrive are usually achieved by the significant increase in gain of different amplified electric instruments. So that's what Jake was saying. Turn yeah, that so fucking volume up. Yeah, not, uh, uh, or, not necessarily the speaker was distorting it it's 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 a distortion in the the signal going through the electronics oh type shit of a deal you were too. supposed to explain electricity to us last episode and you forgot the oh, i think oh, we all I forgot think we ran out of time darn well maybe we'll get to it at the end of this episode we'll see <laughs> <laughs> as a result we get that well-known growling sound through guitar amplifiers of course this is pretty much oversimplified as there is actual science behind how overdrive distortion and fuzz are created but that's a whole different discussion that deserves an article on its own. I heard fuzz comes from belly buttons. That's, yes. Everybody if, if check you your belly to, button. Everybody, if you listen to Weird Al, I'm wearing yes. wearing on pants. Can <laughs> you get in there? I can't. Anybody got any fuzz? Um, take it off. Just kidding. Don't you have to take, you have to get naked if you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and I'm not wearing a bra. Uh-oh. Don't do that in our bathroom. <laughs> we are a bras only bathroom. Jake? <laughs> He's a bra. Oh, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> I got a bruh. Right. So there have been many ways of achieving this effect from the early tube amps over the invention of transistors and all the way to the creation of digital effect processing. The beginnings. So the earliest examples of guitar distortion take us back somewhere around the end of the 1940s. With guitar players always being the leading force of experimentation in modern music, they noticed that their tube amps would get their sound all messed up with the volume turned to those dangerous levels. Mm -hmm. Although the engineers back in the day considered this to be an unwanted side effect, the guitarists tried achieving this tone in any way possible. It's like when those brothers were trying to make the cereal for the mental patients and then they accidentally made Kellogg's. Oh, cornflakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they left the bread out, the dough out overnight and it got moldy and they were like, this shit's delicious. Yeah. Make and it then, into uh, a cereal. And then Post came along and stole, uh, stole the idea from... Mold? Yeah. Well, yeah. Then it was. It was an accident, but it turned out to be delicious. Just like distortion. Cheese. Uh, and cheese. And one of the ways to create distortion was to damage the amplifier. Yes, they realized rough handling of their amps made them sound better. Is there anything more rock and roll than that? Some found less destructive methods to be effective as well, like experimenting with humbuckers or swapping pickups with those designated for lap steel guitars. One of the earliest known examples of distortion would be the piece from 1947 by Bob Willis called Bob Willis Boogie, where Robert Jr. Barnard played guitar. Although not nearly as distorted as one would expect now, the tone was pretty revolutionary for the times. So, speaking of damaged amplifiers, Willie Kizart, who played with Ike Turner and the Kings of Rhythm, went into the studio to record a song called Rocket 88 with a faulty tube amp back in 1951. The story goes that he damaged the amp in transport, thus ultimately giving it a unique buzzing sound. 
It seems that Willie Kizart was unable to find a new amp, or at least somebody to repair the faulty one, which was probably not really easy to do back in the early 1950s. However, this happy accident resulted in a tone that everyone else wanted to replicate. So what did these freshly inspired guitar players decide to do? They started damaging their own amps to achieve distortion. Luckily, you don't have to damage your shit today because you could just buy a $50 fuzz to get this type of tone. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, fast forward to 1961. Another professional guitar player named Grady Martin got his preamp broken before the recording of the Martin Robbins track, Don't Worry. The guitar sounded a bit awkward, although it somehow fit the song perfectly. Then Grady Martin recorded his own instrumental piece, appropriately titled The Fuzz, on this exact same faulty preamp. His tone sounded quite powerful for the times, making him somewhat of a guitar hero <laughs> of the <laughs> early 1960s. <laughs> he is often referred to as the first guitar player to use the fuzz effect in a song. And then about a year later, Gibson released the first ever commercially produced fuzz pedal through their subsidiary company, Maestro. So let's see some other people Then I'm going to hop over to this other article because like we said, it was the kinks that really pushed this into modern music. So this article is by somebody who works at Thalia.com or ThaliaKPost.com. When it comes to breakout singles, they don't get much better than You Really Got Me. You guys probably know this song. I think everybody does. If you ever played like rock band or guitar here, it's another one of those big, like, it's just a rock anthem and Van Halen covered it and it was pretty dope. So anyways, the 1964 track didn't just put the kinks on the map. It changed the rock and roll landscape with its incendiary guitar tone. You Really Got Me brought distorted guitars to the masses. It's the genesis of all things hard and heavy and rock and... As the legend goes, it was an act of aggression from Kinks guitarist Dave Davies that created the sound and started an amplifier revolution in the process. Today, we are revisiting the recording of You Really Got Me and the process that led to that guitar sound. When Ray Davies wrote You Really Got Me in March of 1964, it was a very different song to the version the Kinks ended up recording. One of Ray's first compositions, it was initially envisaged as a tribute okay <laughs> no edits as a tribute to all those great blues people he loved lead belly and big bill brunzi but the laid-back jazz blues number took on a different dimension when dave davies started playing a line intended for saxophone on his guitar okay even, yeah even with davies driving guitar part in place the song still hadn't fully taken shape by the time the kinks came to record it later that year the first version recorded in June of 1964 was slower and less emphatic, and according to Dave, covered in a reverb by producer Shell Talmy that all but buried the guitar. That's rude as hell. Ray Davies petitioned for the song to be re-recorded, and later in the summer, the Kinks went back into the studio for a second pass. It was then that Dave Davies presented the band with a new guitar sound, one born of anger and frustration that transformed the record. As he told The Guardian in 2013, my childhood sweetheart Sue got pregnant. That bitch, how dare she just slip and fall and get pregnant. And we wanted to get married. Oh, I, I misjudged where this <laughs> rest of the sentence was going. He wasn't mad at her. Nope. Never mind. I thought he was trying to say he was, he was trying to do the right thing. Right. So anyways, uh, but <laughs> our parents said that we were too young and they split us up. That is rude as hell what happened to the kid so he was mad that he couldn't get married to her he said i was a rebellious angry kid anyways but that had a profound effect on me i was full of rage a little later i was very depressed and fooling around with a razor blade 
I could easily have slashed my wrists, but I had a little green amplifier, an El Pico. That's cute. And uh, it was sounding like crap. I thought, I'll teach it a lesson and slashed the speaker cone. It changed the sound of my guitar. Then when I wired that amp up to another, a Vox AC30, it made it a lot, lot louder. It's like the time that I beat the crap out of my lawnmower and then it worked again. That's wonderful news. <laughs> yep. Yes, the Did answer it sound different? is violence. <laughs> uh, the sound of the slashed up El Pico was the breakthrough that the song needed. Shell Tommy took it and ran with it, using his own studio expertise to further amplify Dave's already thunderous sound. Quote, while working as a studio engineer in L.A., I'd figured out various techniques to make stuff sound even more powerful. On You Really Got Me, I recorded the guitar on two channels, one distorting and the other not. The combination makes the sound seem louder. We even kick Dave's amp as we walk past to make it sound rougher. <laughs> Released in August of 1964, You Really Got Me was the first Kinks single to top the UK charts. According to Ray Davies, the single was, in, was so in demand that Pi Records put all their other records on hold to solely produce copies of this one. Before too long, the record got into the hands of the likes of Pete Townsend and Jimi Hendrix, the latter of whom described the track as landmark. The rest, as they say, is history. Aww. So, yeah, they inspired a lot of people with that, and a lot of people who are playing shit that sounds like that don't even know that's where it comes from. So there's a history for all you guitar nerds out there. But as someone who's never been able to play an instrument, I thought that that was still an interesting story. Yeah. About the amp that I had for my electric guitar actually had built-in things, razor blades, to <laughs> slash yeah. it with. and to cut <laughs> my guitar me. strings. No, it had the built-in um, what you would effects you would get on a pedal. So it had the reverb, it had mm -hmm. the yeah. fuzz, it had all of that. I the hanger is that normal now? On that's the top? pretty. That's yeah, pretty standard, standard. on uh, mm -hmm. a lot of like amps. I, d I think it's interesting that they would actually just beat the crap out of the amps to to get them to sound different. I, which makes sense because, like I was saying earlier, it's like, like a lot of the effects were mechanical. Mm -hmm. So if you cut the cone of a speaker, it's going to obviously change the speaker. I wouldn't run... Well, I guess you could run vocals through it, but as far as using it for listening to a TV, it's mm -hmm. not going to work. It's just going to sound like shit. Playing a, a guitar through it kind of makes it sound, sound cool. pretty cool. I wonder what the vocals would sound like through that. Yeah, it, I, was, I was about to say, if you ran some vocals through it, for a song, they would probably sound pretty cool, but just yeah. general listening, it's it's going to be garbage. Yeah, we wouldn't re record the podcast on it. I mean, play yeah. the podcast through it. That would be annoying as yeah. fuck. It's already yeah, that would annoying be terrible. as fuck. <laughs> that would make it ten times worse. So back to the first article on samash.com. With technological advancement, we've reached the point where it's pretty easy to create digital effects and digital replicas of those old analog effects, whether it's a plug-in or a pedal board. Uh, it got to the point where it's easy to copy some of the sounds of those classic tube amps, but there is still ongoing discussion as to whether these new digital modeling amps are truly able to replicate the tones and even the famous guitar players have shared their opinion on this in recent years. Some argue that Kemper, Axe, FX, Helix, and other modelers are up there easily reproducing vintage or modern tube amps. Others argue that digital will never be able to replicate the true distortion and dynamic response of tube amps. Whatever your thoughts are on the matter, your near the near future will definitely be exciting as various different manufacturers are competing on the digital modeling market. that That's always a big argument between... Uh, like with vinyl. Uh, vinyl and uh, digital music or even tapes and CDs. Uh, that, that's always a huge thing, the, the analog versus digital. 
Yeah, because the recording method. So like all of these new records that are being put on vinyl. Mm hmm. They were recorded digitally. Yeah, they're so, just MP3 formats. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it's not really making it sound better. The fact that it's on vinyl, that's an argument that a lot of people make, is the originals should sound better. It should be a more full sound because they were recorded mm -hmm. without being compressed. Right. Correct. Well, so th I guess that also depends on how the, the masters are. If the masters are... Uh, they would have to be recorded They don't analog. necessarily have to be st strictly fully analog recording, so long as they're uncompressed, like you just said, the uncompressed recording put onto a record somehow i don't know yeah. how that whole process works but i don't know but i think i have a solution for all of it and it is just to listen to music a little bit too loud so you can't tell the difference or <laughs> have your headphones on when cassie screams and you know knock your hearing down a few notches and then you won't be able to tell That's the difference fine. between i was just thinking about too how like you know with like spotify and other streaming services how there's they've like kind of regulated the noise across the board regardless of how the file is but like yeah. with itunes and early ipods you did not have that option so if a song was uploaded in a really, like auto leveling yeah and how like obviously i mean specifically i remember one album coming out that just it was like all the peaks were all the way up they just yeah. were like louder is better let's do it this way and just getting like a softer song like on ipod shuffle and then <laughs> one of those albums you'd be like Dear God, and just like throw your headphones because yeah. it was just so loud. I am thankful that Spotify has the auto leveling, so all, yeah. the, all the songs sound like they're about the same volume. Yes, I appreciate that. Yeah, because now that's not even something you have to think about. No, really. they, they do that with TVs and commercials and stuff because that used to be a thing back in the day oh, where you yeah. go from the show into a commercial, and like, the I shows are sometimes yeah. pretty quiet. The audio, and then you go to a commercial, it's just blowing your speakers I think, out yeah enough people complained about it that they changed it but it was i honestly think it was to get attention probably yeah because Dude, hulu usually needs to get on the that. room hulu is not on that shit yet it, because the sound the shows <laughs> are so they want you to pay for where there's no commercial that, that's gonna be more your hard honestly i'm no. about to commit because the shows are so fucking quiet that i turn the volume all the way up and so like uh. at brian's house the audio is running through his record player like stereo mm -hmm. for the tv oh, okay. and it's all the way on the other side of the fucking room so the remote doesn't do shit so you have to get sure. up and go turn the volume up so i can hear on the goddamn tv you got the subtitles on and shit yeah well. and then the commercials come on and they're like Rah! like fuck <laughs> i can't do anything i have to turn the tv off well i was gonna say back on the subject of uh, effects in music oh yes what we were supposed to talk about um, today. Oh, no. i'm not a hundred percent sure but uh I want to say Nathaniel Rateliff, mm -hmm. uh, Nick Waterhouse, guys like those that are doing that kind of retro music. Bluesy. I believe Rock they're roll. using old recording equipment, old amplifiers. Oh, cool. They, they, I, they better be. Because when you listen to it, it sounds pretty authentic, like it, like they're using <laughs> legit stuff. So. Yeah. I would it's, think that he would. It's just a setting and on Pro Tools. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be so disappointing. I feel like Nathaniel Rateliff definitely would be using He's like, vintage. I'm, I'm using my toaster to record this one. <laughs> <laughs> he, seems like, he seems like a thrifty. could, actually. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, ask Jack White. He could probably do it. Oh, yeah. Let me just he call him up. He played a Coke bottle. <laughs> uh, we'll get back to you guys on that. We got to text him really fast. <laughs> Um, Jack Jack White, huge listener, huge fan of the show. He's got a T-shirt, and uh, it fits him really well. And he said it was really soft. So, and he said that you guys should all buy T-shirts too. We've got a box full of them, but one less because Jack White bought one. 
he wears a size medium because he wants to for he wants his <laughs> muscles using his image for he wants his muscles to show through so medium for him anyways if you would like a shirt send us an email deathbypodcastteam at gmail.com we have a bunch of sizes i'm not sure which ones i just know that we gave that one away to jack white um thanks for listening and rest in peace later Death by Music podcast is written and produced by Victoria Motler, Alex Motler, Cassie Gardner, and Jake.